This episode of Eat the Rules is brought to you by You on Fire. You on Fire is the online group coaching program that I run that gives you a step-by-step way of building up your self-worth beyond your appearance. With personalized coaching from me, incredible community support, and lifetime access to the program so that you can get free from body shame and live life on your own terms. Get details on what's included and sign up for the next cycle at summerinandin.com forward slash you on fire. I'd love to have you in that group. This is Eat the Rules, a podcast about body image, self-worth, anti-dieting, and intersectional feminism. I am your host, Summer Inanin, a professionally trained coach specializing in body image, self-worth, and confidence, and the best-selling author of Body Image Remix. If you're ready to break free of societal standards and stop living behind the number on your scale, then you have come to the right place. Welcome to the show. This is episode 205. And in this episode of Eat the Rules, I'm kicking off the movement series. This is a series of episodes where I'm going to be talking about how to change your relationship with movement. In this first episode, I'm sharing my personal history with exercise and how I went from having an extremely disordered relationship with exercise to having a really great relationship with what I call movement now. And I'm going to talk about when you might need to take time off from doing intense exercise and why we really need to move away from black and white thinking when it comes to moving our bodies. You can find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode at summerinandin.com forward slash 205. Before we begin, I want to give a shout out to C King 2618 who left this review. Hi Summer, I absolutely love your podcast. I listen to it whenever I have a tough day with body image and it really helps to keep me grounded. I wanted to ask you if you have made any podcasts relating to exercise during recovery from an eating disorder. I really really struggle to keep a consistent exercise routine. Every time I get back into exercise, I start comparing my exercise routines to others, questioning if I'm getting the right amount in and feeling low self-esteem and having poor body image if I miss my workouts. Do you have a podcast or suggestions for tackling the fear of working out for people trying to recover who used to use exercise as an eating disorder behavior? I would love any tips that you could provide. Thanks so much, you rock. Well, this is your answer. This is exactly why I created this series. It's something that many of you have been asking for. It's something that comes up a lot with my clients. And it's really something that's near and dear to my heart that I don't talk about a lot. And I'll get more into that in this episode. But first, if you have not left a review for the show, you can do that by going to iTunes, search for Eat the Rules, then click Ratings and Reviews and click to leave it a review. Definitely hit that subscribe button there too. That really helps to keep this show on the air. And if you haven't already done so, grab the free 10-day body confidence makeover at summerinandin.com forward slash freebies with 10 steps to take right now to feel better in your body. As I said, I wanted to put together this series on movement because it's something that was probably the biggest factor in my disordered relationship with my body. Exercise was the thing that I used to really try to control my body for most of my life for decades. And I've come to this really amazing place now with moving my body. 
And I know that it's possible to do that. And so I wanted to kick this off by sharing my story as it relates to my experience with exercise. And I'm not going to give details about what I used to do specifically. I'll sort of mention some highlights about how intense it was, but I'm not going to give specific details because, yeah, I just don't find that to be helpful. But if you want to hear more about my entire dieting story and lessons that I learned from recovering from chronic dieting and body hate, I have an episode on that. It's episode 174. So you can go and find that at summerinandin.com forward slash 174. It's a two-part episode. So if you're looking for it on iTunes or Spotify, you're going to be looking for number 174 parts one and two. And that's my entire story of growing up through to how I got to where I am now. And I didn't go into too much detail around my relationship with exercise. I sort of touched on it, but I really wanted to focus on how I came to a place of having a good relationship with it and some of the things that I really struggled as I was trying to heal my relationship to it. Now, throughout this episode, you're going to kind of hear me use the word exercise, and then you're going to kind of use me hear the word movement. And that's because exercise was something that I was the way that I described it when I was doing it all those years ago. And the word is very, it depends on the person. A lot of people find that word to be kind of triggering. You know, when I ask clients, what does exercise mean to you? You kind of come up with this idea of like, you know, pushing yourself really hard in the gym, sweating really hard. It feels like something that fits inside this little container container or a box of, okay, here's what counts as exercise. Whereas when we switch and use the word movement, it really opens it up to all kinds of different things. So if I'm using the word exercise, it's usually because I'm referring to the way I used to approach it in the past tense. And then when I'm using the word movement, I'm referring to like how I approach it now. I think at least. (laughs) That's what I'm aiming to do here. And I also just want to give a couple of caveats. Depending on where you are in your journey, maybe this isn't the right time to be thinking about this, in which case just skip over this series. There's a lot of other good episodes that you can listen to. And I also just want to acknowledge that you know movement is not something that everyone can do. If you're suffering from chronic pain or illness or other disabilities, it's not always accessible to everybody. And so I just want to acknowledge that that being able to actually go to a gym, being able to move your body is such a privilege. And so again, if you're not jiving with this topic, you can always skip the episode. It's not a big deal. But I wanted to do this because I don't talk about my history with exercise that much. I don't talk about my relationship with it now. I don't post workout pictures because it's just not really part of my identity anymore. And it really was back in the day. Like if you were to kind of stalk me 10 plus years ago, you would totally see tons of workout pictures of me. If anyone's doing that right now, that's a little weird. So maybe don't do that. But if you want to, you can (laughs) because you'll find them. Um, But it's just not really my jam anymore. So I do it because it feels good. But I know a lot of people are struggling with trying to make that leap, like trying to go from really having it come from a disordered place to having it come from a place of care and respect. Or maybe like you really haven't had that type of relationship with it all. And you've just like you have always had kind of a negative relationship with it in that like you haven't wanted to do it. And that's okay too. And if you're curious and you want to be able to start to do that, then there's going to be quite a few episodes that will help you with that. I've got some really great guest experts coming on this podcast to talk about their relationship with movement, how they changed it and how to start to approach that if you feel like that resistance towards it, or you can't get out of that black and white mentality. And I'm going to talk a bit about that today too. So there's probably going to be some overlap throughout these episodes, but sometimes 
sometimes it's good to hear the same thing five different ways from five different people. So let's dive into my story to start. Exercise was the biggest thing that I used to control my body. I would say more than dieting. Dieting was always a huge factor, but with dieting, I always felt like I was failing. So whenever, you know, I could only stick to something for a certain period of time. And then whenever I would binge or broke my diet, which was usually after four days, which was also just my body responding to restriction. It wasn't a lack of willpower, but I always just felt like I could not kind of stick to things. So with exercise, I really felt like I had more control. And even though I didn't, (laughs) but it was a false sense of control, much like dieting. And growing up, I was never athletic. So I was never like a kid that was out playing sports or doing any of that. The only thing I really was good at was swimming, but there was no swimming at my school. So anytime we had to do gym class, I was always the last kid in gym class, like so much so that I started to make it a joke. When I was in high school, I started to make it kind of a, we had to do like this mile run every year. And I was like, screw this. I'm going to walk as slow as possible and just be the last person because I'm not even going to try because I know I'm going to be last regardless. And I sort of made it this form of humor for myself because I couldn't bear the sort of humiliation of just naturally being last (laughs) when it came to doing any kind of running. And so I just like, I really hated it. Like as a kid, I just, I didn't like phys ed. I didn't like sports other than swimming, other than synchronized swimming, which I was good at. I really didn't excel at anything. And I only did synchronized swimming for a couple years and horseback riding too. I like that one. But it wasn't until I got into just before high school that I started to learn about kind of this idea of like working out in order to lose weight, you know, which was sort of the I mean, it still is the prescription that society sort of says to everybody, even though that's been proven not really to be true. But that's when I started to kind of dabble in moving my body for the purpose of weight loss. And part of it felt good. Like, I probably know part of it. I became, I gained a little bit more endurance. I was able to actually run a little bit. And there were certain aspects of it that I did enjoy. And what happened was, is it just started to become more obsessive. And I think that's the story with whether it's exercise or dieting, is you sort of get that initial, ooh, this kind of works until it doesn't, but this kind of works. So I'm just going to hit it harder to make it work more. Or because it stopped working, I'm going to hit it harder to accelerate that. And so it really became a lot more obsessive through my 20s. And especially into my late 20s and early 30s, I was spending hours at the gym, I would go even if I had hadn't slept all night. And it was just, you know, when I look back on it, I'm like, Oh, my gosh, like, (laughs) it's just burning the candle so hard at both ends, all because of this desire to try to lose weight, like it was all just fueled by that desire. And there was like little subtle aspects of it that were, okay, you know, this does mentally make me feel better. I do actually like to feel stronger, but that was completely superseded by this desire to lose weight. When I discovered CrossFit, I was probably around 26 years old, 25, 26, which seems like really, that was when CrossFit was really new. So it was one of the first CrossFit gyms. And I went to that again, because it was before my wedding. And I wanted to try to change my body. And I actually liked aspects of it. So I liked the variety. I liked the intensity. I really liked the strength focus because I tend to do like I'm just naturally a little bit more inclined to doing stuff that's strength oriented than endurance oriented. And I did like the people there. Some of them I'm still friends with from that very first time. 
And it was the first thing that really made me feel like I had some kind of athleticism. But I had this really, really messed up frame of mind. Like I wanted to change my body so badly, especially before my wedding. And so I took everything just way too far. And my headspace and frame of mind at the time was just solely focused. Like my only focus really in life was like to try to lose weight. That's all I thought about. That's all I like put my energy towards, which is just ridiculous. And it took up so much of my time. And I remember pushing myself there even if I was like exhausted or kind of sick or feeling bad if I missed a day. And I was honestly, you know, when I look back on it, I was training like I was some kind of athlete, which I wasn't and fueling myself like I was a bird, (laughs) which it just I don't even know how I was able to keep that up for so long. And the thing with any kind of movement that we do, so in my case, it was CrossFit, is that like any kind of movement you can do it from a disordered frame of mind. So it doesn't matter if it's yoga, it doesn't matter if it's CrossFit, it doesn't matter if it's walking, like any form of movement, you can take it too far. If you have a disordered relationship with exercise, you can end up taking any kind of movement too far. And so that's exactly what happened here. And I was sore and I was tired and I felt like I had lost my spark. And this was a few years in. So I'd been doing this for a few years and I didn't have my period at the time, but my body didn't look the way I thought it should. So I never thought I was doing too much or eating too little. I honestly believed that what I was doing was healthy and there was no one saying, hey, Summer, this is a little too much because that's just kind of not the culture there, at least in my experience at the time. And I kind of think back on it now and I think, oh my gosh, you know, like I really believed that my body could look kind of the way I wanted it to, which was like a CrossFit athlete, like one of the people that you see going to the CrossFit games. Like that's what I thought. I was like, yes, if I just do that, my body will look like that. Like it just never occurred to me that, hey, our bodies aren't supposed to look like that. Like some people, they are. Some people are genetically born to be predisposed to looking like that. I am not one of those people, but it like never occurred to me that my body wasn't meant to do that. I just thought I wasn't good enough and I wasn't pushing myself hard enough. And I think that that's one of the underlying flaws with all of diet culture. It's one of the reasons that like people keep going back to diets because we just believe that like if we try hard enough, our body's meant to look like this shape that is not, we're not meant to look like that. You know, we're meant to have diversity. My body's never going to look like, doesn't matter what I do, my body would never look like that. (laughs) It's just not possible. And it really became my identity though, you know, going to work out, going to CrossFit, that was my identity. And it became like this huge kind of purpose in my life. And so that's what made it that much harder to leave and to take time off from it when I needed to do that, which is what happened when I was 32 years old and my hormones weren't working the way they were supposed to. I had the same hormones as a postmenopausal woman. And when I met with the doctor at the time about that, she said, she's like, you got to stop this. Like you have no more intense exercise. And I remember crying because I couldn't do intense exercise, not because my hormones were that of a postmenopausal woman. Like I was so upset about the fact that I couldn't do intense exercise for months. She said, she's like, you need to just lay off all of it. And so it was really hard mentally because it was like taking away my coping mechanism. And then it was also just hard because I actually did enjoy aspects of it. Like, again, there was this, you know, I didn't do it. It wasn't 
100% for weight loss. Like that was the main thing, but it was really for, you know, I enjoyed the community. I did actually enjoy that movement. Like it was helpful to my mental health, although I took it way too far. So it damaged my mental health. And so when my doctor was like, you need to just take a step back and not do that anymore. I was really devastated and upset. And the only things that I could do when I was on that break was stuff that was light. So nothing that was intense, nothing that got my heart rate up. So I did some yoga, I did some light movement, but nothing that got my heart rate up at all. And that was really hard. And so mentally, that was probably the toughest time for me. Because in hindsight, I look back and it was because it was taking my coping mechanism away. And I felt really out of control and I cried and I felt resentful and it felt unfair, but I knew I had to do that for my overall well-being and I was really committed to that process. I would be lying if I said that there wasn't a part of me that hoped that through that process, I'd heal my metabolism and then actually be able to lose weight by doing this. And I know that other people feel that way. They come into intuitive eating and they're like, well, maybe if I just heal my relationship with food, then I'll actually be able to lose weight. And you know what? It's okay if you believe that. For me, that was actually a partial motivating factor that helped me to heal. And even though it was asked backwards, when I look at it now, I think it was like actually kind of helpful. Even though it was not necessarily helpful, it got me to actually take a break because I thought in the back of my mind, well, I'll heal my metabolism and then I'll be able to fix my body. And just it didn't happen at all. (laughs) Like, I mean, I fixed my metabolism, but I'm still not able to change my body. Like my body is what it is now. And so I think that that's really common. So if you feel that way, totally normal. Of course, you have that desire. I have learned through working with people over, you know, seven plus years that we can't just shut off that desire to lose weight. And it's still going to play a role in some of our decisions. What we want to do is really work towards a place of accepting our bodies, working on our body image, and that voice will gradually get quieter and less dominant as we move closer to surrendering control and accepting our body. But even then, and I've talked about this before in another episode called uh, What to Do If You Still Want to Lose Weight, I talk about how it's totally normal to want to lose weight in our culture. What we want is we don't want that to be dictating our decisions and our actions. And the more that we kind of resist that, the quieter that voice gets. And it really can become a whisper or even something that you barely hear anymore in time, which is really wonderful. I don't really think about that much anymore. It's just there. It's just not there. I should say it's not there. (laughs) It's not there. (laughs) Because I actually just 100% know it's not possible for me. And but it was through that uncomfortable time that I really started to learn about body image. Like that was when I started to read some books on it. That was when I started to read some books on I slowly started to kind of find out about intuitive eating, although it was more like mindful eating, which then led me to intuitive eating, which I think is also pretty common. But I really started to like realize that the body image was the biggest piece in the puzzle. Like it was like, this is really driving everything. This is driving my disordered relationship with movement. It's driving my disordered relationship with food. It's taking up so much time and energy in my life. And so through that time off from being able to do any kind of intense exercise, I was able to spend a lot of time kind of doing reflection and work on myself. And I worked with some professionals with that through that time too. 
And I think one of the most difficult parts was mourning the part of my identity that I had associated with being like this like CrossFit fitness person. It was a huge part of my life and it took up so much time and my body was changing. Like my body changed when I couldn't do that anymore and I couldn't diet anymore. And that was my body healing. That's what it was supposed to do. And so it was really hard for me to kind of go through that and give that identity up. And so I spent that time really trying to figure out like, what do I want to do here? You know, like, how do I want to spend my time? How do I want to spend my life? I had invested so much time in trying to change my body and being at the gym that when I wasn't doing that so much anymore, you know, I was able to spend some time writing. That's when I really started blogging a lot more and really just recover and rest and ultimately get my life to where it is today, which is just much, much more happier, content place where I'm really living a life that's aligned to my values. And so I had to learn what gave me a sense of fulfillment and purpose outside of working out because it wasn't working out. It wasn't. That's not what gives me a sense of fulfillment. That's not what gives me a sense of purpose at all. It's just now, and I'll talk about this in a bit, but now it's just something I do so I can be able to do the things I want to do in life. And so after months of taking time off intense exercise, I was gradually able to like reintroduce some things again, but I had to take it so slow and I had to be really aware of how things made me feel both mentally and physically and just gradually increase the intensity again. So I didn't have to take time off for the rest of my life. It was for a few months, several months, but then I was able to start, you know, do something for five minutes or one day a week. And it was really, really slow. And I had gone through the discomfort of not doing much for months and been working on, you know, my frame of mind and how I felt about myself and my body that I felt like I was in a much better place to do that. And I was able to get back to a place where I could still do things I wanted to do. And I could still go to a CrossFit gym, but I really just toned it down and approached it with an entirely new mentality. Like I just was really kind of loud and proud about the fact that I was going through this thing and it was hard and this was my recovery. And so I was just going to take it easy. And I just owned that. And I know that's really hard for people, for some people, because it can be like quite a competitive environment. But I was really close friends with the owners of the facility. I knew everybody there. So it was really easy for me to just be like, hey, like this is the way I'm doing things now. And it's because because I went through this period of like a health issue, really, that's what it was. And as hard as it was to go through that, it was really imperative in helping me change my relationship with movement, which I have a great relationship with now. I move my body because it feels good. I rest it when it doesn't or if I'm not feeling it. I can take time off and it's no problem. It's not stressful at all. I just don't give it a second thought. I had a cold this last week and a half and I just was, I didn't do anything. And I was like, I just, I actually was like, wow, I just didn't even think about the fact that I wasn't doing anything. Like I just didn't do anything because I was caring for my body in the state that it was in right now. And I rarely get injured now. I think that's the biggest thing. I used to get injured all the time. I used to always like have to go to the chiropractor for my neck or my back or my arm or all this other stuff. And I just watch, I'm going to get injured now that I said this, but I really, I, it's been so long since I've been injured. The last time I got injured was in the summer and it was because I was playing on the monkey bars with my kid. <laughs> so I was like, okay, this is how I injure myself. But I don't get injured when I'm actually doing like intentional movement now because I just don't go hundred percent anymore. Like I just don't give it my all because it's not worth it for me. 
I'm 42. My intentions are very different now. My intentions are, I just want to be able to move around for a long period of my life. I want to be able to keep up with my kid. And I want to be able to like still be able to move around 20 years from now and 40 years from now. And I don't have to prove anything to anyone anymore. My intention is just like, let's keep mobile. Let's keep strong. Let's keep up some level of like cardiovascular capacity. But it doesn't, I'm not trying to compete with anybody. And I can't do what I used to do. And I'm okay with that. My intentions are really different now. And I just kind of own that like, this is the way I approach it and it's great. And it's me time for me now. When I go and, and move my body, it's time and space to mentally focus on something else and to just have that escape. Because for me, moving my body is really about the mental health benefits. It really helps with stress. It helps with anxiety. It helps clear my head. It helps me sleep. And then from a physical perspective, it's about just remaining strong, being able to keep doing things and be mobile as I get older. Those are my intentions. And for what I do now, I work with a trainer who gives me a program remotely. So she sends me a program every week. It's like three days a week. And I focus on what my body can do. And she alters it based on what I'm feeling and what I'm experiencing. So when I had the pregnancy loss, she like completely dialed things down, took time off. And, you know, when I go through stressful periods in my life, like we just kind of change the intensity and what I'm doing. And I moderate that myself too. Like if I'm just like, I'm really tired today, then I just completely change up or or like really dial it down. And that's been super, super helpful helpful for me. So I do still lift weights because I genuinely love that. I love to do bench press. That's my favorite thing in the whole world. <laughs> I could do that every day, all day, which if you don't know me, you're like, well, that's kind of strange, but I do really, it's because I like it. It's like the way I release my anger <laughs> and it makes me feel strong and powerful. And I love to go for walks just as much. I love chasing my child up and down the hall. I love to be in nature as much as possible. And I adore hiking. And I haven't been able to do that as much since having a child. But I'm hopeful we do short ones when we can, <laughs> that I will be able to get back into it more at some point. And that's really, that's really it. And I think that I'm at a place with it where if I had seen myself, you know, if 12, 15 years ago, if I had looked forward to the future now and seen what I was doing, I'd be like, Oh, God, like, that's all you're doing. But you know what? this is awesome. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> and I feel good. And it just it fits into my lifestyle. And that's what I want for other people. And like what I'm doing doesn't mean that that's what you should be doing at all. I do what works for me and you have to find what works for you. And we're going to be unpacking a lot more of that in other episodes. But I wanted to kind of go through just some rules that I have for myself. Now you might think, hey, Summer, you don't like rules. What are you doing? But these are some rules, some guidelines that I have to really make sure that I don't push it too much. So one is that I usually just don't push myself past 80%. Like I always just keep a little more in my tank because I know for me personally, going 100% leads to injury. It leads to burnout. It makes me too tired to be able to play with my kid when he gets home. And I don't want that. So again, my intention is like have energy to do the rest of the things in my day. I don't need to be hitting personal records. Like doesn't matter to me. <laughs> and And that's me. Maybe you're different. That's okay. And I want to make sure that when I'm doing any kind of movement, it's actually me and my inner 
higher self that's actually doing the movement and not my ego. And that's become a lot easier since I do everything isolated at home. (laughs) That sounds really reclusive, but it's more just like, it's just easy for me. It saves me time. I don't go to a a facility anymore because it just took up too much time and the class times didn't work for my schedule. So I have like a little home gym that I use now. It's not because I'm a recluse, it's for time management. (laughs) But I'm also a little bit of a recluse too. Um, But I make sure it's not my ego. You know, I check myself like, is it my ego working out right now? Or my inner critic? Like if it is, then they got to go. And I do self talk around that to just make sure that I'm like reining it in. And if I have a bad sleep, I take it easy. If I'm sick, I don't do anything. And I adjust it based on what I'm experiencing in life. And if I start it, and I'm like 10 minutes in, and I hate what I'm doing, then I stop or I change course, like you get to do whatever you want. That's the awesome thing about having your own body. And I live by this belief that, you know, whatever I do is good enough. And something is better than nothing. And whatever I did, if it was five minutes, that was good enough. And I just, this is the most important thing. If you take anything away from this entire series, this is it. I never let the way my body looks dictate what I do. I never let the way my body looks dictate what I do. It's always about how I want to feel. And that's what I try to preach to clients. That's what I'm going to try and preach to you. What would you do if your body size didn't matter? You'll probably hear me say that in another episode, but that's the way that we should be approaching these things so that we're not letting the diet mentality or the exercise mentality, whatever you want to call it, get in the way. And another thing that's really helped is just following a lot of athletes online that are in various body sizes who also promote a healthy relationship with movement. That is so much better for my mental health and I will link to some of my favorites in the show notes for this episode, summerinandin.com forward slash 205. There are a few of them. Some of them I'm going to be interviewing on here, which is pretty cool. And it just helps keep my head straight. And it helps me to see that you don't have to look a certain way to be able to do cool stuff with your body. So the last thing I want to touch in this episode is when you might need to take time off. So if you're listening to this, and you're like, do I need to take time off? Like, do I have a problem here? First of all, if you think you're, if you're concerned in any way, it's always helpful to work with a professional. I worked with a professional. I did not do this on my own. I worked with somebody. I always suggest that I'm always working with somebody. (laughs) Somebody is always helping me with my mental health or physical health. Do that. You do not need to do this on your own. And so it's hard for me to really give general advice around whether you need to take time off because I do find this to be quite individual, but I will just give you some kind of warning signs, some things to think about, and you can take it from there. If you're feeling burned out, if you're getting injured or you're sick more often, if you're sore a lot all the time, if you feel like you've lost your spark, if you're needing a bucket of coffee to get through the day, then yeah, laying off intense stuff is probably a good idea. If you feel like you can't stop, like if you feel extremely guilty if you take a day off or you feel like you can't take a rest day, then it's probably a sign you need a break. And if a rest day feels really hard mentally, then yeah, you probably do need a break. If you're hating what you're doing and just dragging yourself through it, then perhaps some time off or doing something different or less intense might help. And if your weight is dictating your workout choices, then I would definitely recommend taking a pause from doing the things that are solely in an effort to manipulate your body and do some exploration around what your body actually wants to do what you want to do what you enjoy. And I also want to say that I think when people hear me say take time off, or they hear other people say you got to take time off from the gym, doesn't necessarily mean doing nothing. 
You know, that wasn't the case for me. It was just time off doing anything intense. There's still a lot of things that you can do to move your body. And there are a lot of things that we can do every day where we move our body. The problem is, is that we just don't think those things count because we're not sweating buckets and huffing and puffing. But there are so many things that we can do to move our body and that are going to be helpful, you know, like walking, gardening, stretching, riding your bike to the store, dancing while you cook, playing with your kids, doing housework, like all of those things are movement. And they all count. It doesn't need to be black or white. And so my advice is to really try and get comfortable with other forms of movement that are not intense. And we have to get out of this mentality that only certain forms of movement count. Because that black and white mentality really prevents us from doing anything. And it prevents us from ever feeling like what we do is enough. So we're going to be exploring a lot more in the next few episodes. There are five in total movement series. So I hope you enjoy these. And you can find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode at summerinandin.com forward slash 205. If you ever have a topic you want me to cover in a podcast, definitely send me an email or send me a DM. That's the best way to do it. I know I read a review where somebody left that. That's just kind of a fluke that I noticed that. I don't always notice if there's a question in the review. So if you are wanting me to talk about a particular topic, just get in touch with me directly. And if it's related to movement, let me know ASAP and I'll try and include it in this series. Thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you listening. I hope you feel inspired to change your own relationship with movement if you need to and that it is possible if you have a disordered relationship with it. Thank you so much for being here again. Rock on. I'm Summer Inanin, and I want to thank you for listening today. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Summer Inanin. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts, search Eat the Rules, and subscribe, rate, and review this show. I would be so grateful. Until next time, rock on.